Welcome. It's another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. I'm Marcus Papp, joined by Reggie Rizzo. On today's episode, gold and other fine jewels found in an ancient Greek temple. This week's Weird Wednesday includes a lost turtle, adult diapers, an odd break-in, and of course, a couple of Guinness World Records. Plus, this day in history, the destruction of a priceless vase. Coming up on Cool Stuff Ride Home. Well, if you're a fan of ancient archaeological finds that sound like they're straight out of an Indiana Jones movie, you'll dig this, pun intended. Archaeologists on the Greek island of Evia recently discovered a host of artifacts, including a 2,700-year-old temple filled with precious jewels, historical remnants, and a horseshoe-shaped altar overflowing with offerings. This per multiple reports, including one from LiveScience.com. This particular shrine sits adjacent to the ancient temple of Amaritia Artemis, a sanctuary dedicated to the Greek goddess Artemis, which researchers found in 2017. By the way, Evia is Greece's second largest island, the largest being Crete. If you do the math on this, scientists believe this temple was built circa the 7th century BC. The newly discovered temple is approximately 100 feet and made of brick. Now, per a translated January 9th Facebook post, the researchers said, quote, one of the peculiarities of this temple is the significant number of structures found inside it, end quote. Those structures include several hearths located in the temple's nave, nave typically referring to the central part of a church or place of worship. They include an altar stacked with offerings such as pottery, like vases made of Corinthian alabaster or carved gypsum, gold and silver jewelry studded with coral and amber, amulets and bronze and iron fittings. The altar, which was caked in ash, also contained several pieces of charred bone. Mm, uh, let you speculate on what that might be from. Some of the artifacts appear to predate the newfound temple, leading researchers to suspect the altar may have once resided outside the temple before later being moved indoors. Below the temple, researchers discovered several dry stone walls from a previous structure that existed on the site. Additionally, bronze figurines resembling bulls and a ram were uncovered. And in proximity to the initial temple, remnants of structures from the 8th and 9th centuries BC were also exposed along with a fortification system from the early Copper Age dating back to around 4000 or 3500 BC. The inner wall of the temple features pillars to support its tiled roof. Pretty crazy for the time. The researchers believe there was likely a fire at some point that destroyed a portion of the temple, leading to the creation of brick partitions to protect the remaining sections and to a new section that was likely created at the end of the 6th century. Now, per the aforementioned researcher statement, quote, although the investigation of the earliest of these levels has only just begun, the first discoveries suggest that the cult what they're calling it, had its roots in the centuries after the end of the Mycenaean period, end quote. Tim Newcomb of Popular Mechanics writes, quote, as researchers continue to discover older sections of the surrounding site, many showing the ancient way of life outside of the temple, they remain intrigued with the growth of the sacred temple on the landscape, end quote. Uh, I think I said it at the very beginning of this, Reggie. To me, I, I hear this and it sounds like something Indiana Jones should immediately be investigating because I'm guessing there's some... Uh, artifact there that has some wild importance to the world that needs to be saved. Yeah, as you read the story, I think Indiana Jones or the Uncharted video games, this is where the main boss comes in and tries to stop you. <laughs> Once you get to the treasure, then you're you're near the end of the game. And who is the main boss in this case? Artemis? I mean, is the Greek god coming back yeah. to say, get out of my temple? Well, Indiana Jones, it's usually a Nazi. The Uncharted games, it's usually another treasure hunter who has, you know, more resources. And there you are by yourself. But, you know, the, the other <laughs> treasure hunter has this big team, an army trying to uh, 
stop you. And you're trying to solve clues to get into there, but you know, they're just blowing things up because they don't care. They that just want the gold. Sort of sounds like the plot to a Nicolas Cage movie, National <laughs> Treasure. They all kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're all similar. <laughs> I don't know if it's good, bad in between that we hear a story like this, which is really, really fascinating in a lot of ways. And all we can think of are more modern movies to relate it to. At least the people who discovered it, I'm assuming, are interested in the history and not just thinking, ooh, look at all the gold. And I'm gonna, <laughs> what am I going to make from this? So, yeah, yeah. These are legitimate archaeologists. I can't imagine you're supposed to be taking the gold and or whatever jewels you find home with you. I would assume they'll one day end up in a museum. So pretty cool. But I, it does make me wonder, you know, at some point, once the scientists have done what they do with a site like this, does it become open to the public in some capacity? Are you able to like walk by adjacent to check it out so that you don't disturb what are inevitably very old and likely delicate items? Well, I'm assuming all of the jewels and stuff will be sent to museums. Probably, you know, home country gets to keep them. Usually we'll see um, the actual place. Yeah, I could see them walling that off. Maybe you can walk by, but I doubt they're going to let you in. Yeah. Yeah, fair and enough. Can you imagine this being your job and you discover something like this with all those jewels? I mean, this is like a once in a lifetime discovery, I feel like. Yeah, it really is. I, I mean, and if this is what you've dedicated your life's work to, the level of excitement when something like this pops onto your radar, got to be through the roof. All right, heading off to my favorite segment of the week, Weird Wednesday, because Weird Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> It's always uh, interesting to see how odd mankind or nature really is. In fact, we're starting off with nature where a lost turtle was rescued from a beach in northwestern England. The loggerhead turtle that washed there, it, what makes it odd is that that species of turtle shouldn't be hanging around that area. It normally sticks to warmer waters. The turtle was found when Paul Knight was going for a walk on the beach with his partner and dog. He came across the four foot long turtle. He thought it was dead. He called the Marine Conservation Society, who told him it may still be alive, just in a cold, stunned state, which I know the feeling, buddy. I, I, I know what you're feeling. Winter in Wisconsin. Yeah. Is Reggie dead? No, no, no. He's just. Well, just don't do this next step to me. They added that he should try stroking its eye. He did. And it started moving. Mm. If I'm in a catatonic state there in the cold, don't, don't start stroking my eye. <laughs> Noted. Sarah Neal, Cumbrian marine biologist and regional coordinator for British Divers Marine Life Rescue, said, quote, when they're cold stunned, they usually go really lethargic and shut down and sometimes appear to be dead. So it's important to check for vital signs, end quote. Help did arrive and they moved the 110 pound turtle to a medic vehicle. This was the first time in 10 years that a sea turtle made its way to Cumbria. They do occasionally get thrown off course by severe storms. In fact, Neil added, quote, their arrival is often associated with unusual weather conditions such as storms, and the turtles are usually in very poor health. They can be swept from warm waters by strong winds and currents into the North Atlantic. Furthermore, their poor physical condition may impact their navigational ability, end quote. The turtle was brought back to the Blackpool Sea Life Center, where it was slowly warmed. Warming them too quickly can actually cause infections and other life-threatening issues. But all good news for the turtle, as hopefully it should be, uh, I'm, I'm hoping, released here soon and heading back home. Yeah, get to those warmer waters, buddy. I mean, you're going to feel uh, a heck of a lot better when you get back to the tropics, I'm sure. Much like Reggie does when he takes a vacation. <laughs> That's right. I feel much better, and then I have to head back home. 
Heading over to New Hampshire, there is a new spa there. Now, why is this with Weird Wednesday, you ask? Well, it is a diaper spa. If you're unfamiliar with a diaper spa, let me inform you. It is a place for adults to role play as children where they can wear diapers and act like they are in a nursery. And right. yes, you can be changed when you have an accident. Um, this is one of the most ridiculous things I have ever heard of. It sounds like we need a mental health professional on hand at a place like this because something ain't right. Usually leads to more of a kink than anything else. So it's uh, th there is some mm -hmm. sexual component to this. Yeah, being changed as an adult. Okay. According to the spa's website, it is open to, quote, all diaper-wearing individuals who seek acceptance, respite, and care, end quote. The spa does offer toys, folded diapers, and an adult-sized crib. You can also set up virtual playdates for $200 an hour, or if you want the full experience for $1,500, you can get an all-day diaper B&B experience. However, most of the clientele right now is looking for telehealth service and life coaching on the lifestyle of wearing diapers and, you know, kind of being children. The person who runs the operation is listed as a board-certified integrative medicine physician and sexologist, Dr. Colleen Ann Murphy. She settled in Atkinson, New Hampshire in 2022, and the home-based spa is a recent addition. Many residents of Atkinson don't seem to be too pleased with the new addition to the neighborhood. One parent raised concern, quote, It has come to our attention that this business is advertised to individuals whose sexual fetishes involves childlike behaviors. This business, per their website, has advertised our town playground to their potential clientele. Thus, their sexual fetish will involve the town park where our children play, end quote. Murphy, however, says there's no reason to be concerned. Quote, All clients are respectfully dressed in public, and besides this media attention, there is no reason that anyone would have thought that they were any different than any other neighbor or visitor from the outside, end quote. She did add that, however, I know the people in this community are reasonable and intelligent, and I am optimistic that with time, their concerns will dissipate, and we will all resume enjoying this beautiful life we are all so blessed to have here, end mm, quote. Mm. That's, that's a loaded quote at the end there. <laughs> well, I know they're reasonable and intelligent, implying that at some point, everybody's going to be okay with this if you want to be considered intelligent and reasonable. I don't know. I'm usually not judgmental in any way let live and let live and do your thing and i i guess i feel that way here too but at the same time i'm raising an eyebrow yeah i know you can't see me but i am going hmm, okay. i get what you're saying and you know what there's something about going in a diaper that unless i can't control it i don't want that to happen yeah i mean i yeah. i like toilets <laughs> <laughs> Statement as much as the a person year. can like a toilet. Statement of the year on this podcast. <laughs> Reggie Rizzo, quote, I like toilets, end quote. When I meet people, that's going to be the first thing I tell them now. I like toilets. Can we make up a t-shirt? <laughs> cool stuff, ride home. I like toilets. <laughs> Continuing on with Weird Wednesday, I think we've all had this happen. You buy something and you forget about it. A few days, weeks, months, or in some cases, years later, we find it and think, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about this. Well, one lucky Virginia man had that happen, and he made $100,000 from it. Delivery driver Zachary Clements from Buena Vista, Virginia, bought a Cash Corners crossword scratch-off ticket. By the way, the S in cash is a dollar sign. He set it aside in his vehicle, forgot about it, sat there for a while, and when he found it, 
he found out it had a $100,000 prize. Clement said, quote, I was pretty excited, end quote. I hope he what, said it with more enthusiasm. What a quote. <laughs> I, <know>. what a <laughs> quote. <laughs> I hope he had more enthusiasm than I read it. <laughs> I was pretty excited, I guess. I don't know. It was cool. <laughs> Although, you know, maybe that is what he said it as because he doesn't plan to do anything too exciting with the money. Instead, he plans on investing it into his delivery business. I mean, obviously, having your own business is exciting, but he's not taking like a fancy trip or buying a fancy car. He's just, you know, making sure he can keep working. Heading off to Missouri now, police were called in for a home invasion after noises were heard inside, only to find that the intruder was a squirrel. Mm. In the video released by the police, which you can see using the link in our show notes, the officer called in to let them know that they can disregard the help that they called in for. When he came upon the squirrel, you can hear the officer scream as it ran past him. If you are curious, the squirrel is still out there as it did escape the officers on foot. Mm, not able to apprehend the perpetrator this time. <laughs> nope. I don't think they had handcuffs that tiny either. <laughs> the squirrels, they can be uh, feisty. And yeah, you know, I'd, I, I, I'd be happy that it ran out past me and I didn't have to deal with it in some way. Well, it's funny is he saw the squirrel. I watched the video. You could see he had his gun out still for I don't know why, but he still had his gun out and he could see the squirrel. And as he got closer, it ran and you hear him go, ah! <laughs> I'm I'm sure he's not taking any sort of flack from his fellow officers no. down at the station for that no. reaction. All right, ending Weird Wednesday with a couple of those Guinness Book of World Records. A gamer from Hungary broke the Guinness World Record for playing World of Warcraft for 59 hours and 20 minutes straight. He only drank water during this feat, no caffeinated drinks, and said, quote, I noticed mild hallucinations starting to form. It was funny, but also hard to concentrate while live streaming. He added, I love the game and I will retake the record if it's beaten. This is mine for life. I want everyone to know that, end quote. Pretty serious about that uh, world record there, Marcus. Yeah, I guess that's the mindset you need to remain in the Guinness World Record book. I mean, I, I've asked this question a million times, but some of these records you go, why? I, I don't get it, but clearly it means something to them. So you know what? I guess defend your crown if you have to. And to close it all off, an Oklahoma woman has earned the Guinness World Record for her collection of Avatar, the last Airbender merchandise. She has 2,026 items from the Nickelodeon animated series and its sequel, The Legend of Korra. She said that probably her favorite thing is the pilot script of the show. Quote, it was something I actually found on eBay a few years after the show had finished airing, and I've never seen another one come back across, end quote. She added that she really likes the show for its Asian culture, which she loves, and it can also relate to her ancestry, quote, and in this show, there's also a Native American aspect to it. There's a Native American culture, and I myself am Cherokee Nation, so there was this blending of my interest as well as what I identify with, end quote. So, I mean, the Guinness World Record, I don't feel like it was something she probably tried hard mm -hmm. to accomplish. This is one of those things where she accumulated over time and she has a connection to the show. So I'm going to give this one a pass as a weird one. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, the, the circumstances surrounding this aren't the same as some of the other stories we've discussed over the last few months. Taking a look at this date in history on February 7th, 1845, a unique, priceless and irreplaceable vase was destroyed. The Portland vase thought to date back to the first century BC, was shattered into more than 80 pieces 
1845. Mm. A drunken visitor to the British Museum through a sculpted stone exhibit at the glass cabinet containing the treasured artifact. Now, first of all, is it is it a vase or is it a vase? When it's... Uh, I guess when it's fancy, it might be a vase. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not fancy, so to me it's a vase. All right, fair enough. The glass Roman vase, 24 and a half centimeters high, was discovered in a funerary monument in Rome in the 16th century. After belonging to several different owners, it was acquired in 1784 by the Duchess of Portland, a noted collector of antiquities. Out there in Oregon? Out there in Oregon. You know it. The good old Duchess of Portland, Oregon. <laughs> In 1810, the fourth Duke of Portland loaned the vase to the British Museum in London for permanent exhibition, where it was presumed to be safe. But no one expected what would actually happen when William Lloyd paid a visit to the museum on that fateful day. Apparently, he had been drinking for several days and was, very, <laughs> and was very intoxicated when he decided to hurl the sculpture at the glass case containing the vase. Lloyd, who said he was a student at Trinity College in Dublin, was arrested and later appeared in court with causing willful damage. But his lawyers argued that the law under which he was being prosecuted applied only to the destruction of objects worth no more than five pounds. As a result, he was convicted of only destroying the glass case and was fined three pounds. How was the vase or the vase not worth more than five pounds? Worth no more than five pounds. Yeah. So, yeah, so because it was expensive, he couldn't be charged. Yeah, I I don't write the laws in England there. The, I, I think that's why I'm having trouble comprehending the, the wording because you're going, all right, because it's basically priceless. Like you said in the very opening line of this story, he can't be charged. That is insane. It is. Well, it was 1845. Maybe they worded it poorly. So good work from his attorneys, though. I mean, great job. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, investigations by the British Museum led, however, to a twist in the story. It was learned that although he was living in London under the name of William Lloyd, his real name was William McCahey. And although, as he claimed, he was a student, he had gone missing some time before from Trinity College. Fortunately for him, the Duke of Portland decided not to bring civil action for damages because he did not want William's impoverished family to suffer for, quote, an act of folly or madness, which they could not control, end quote. That's an interesting description. I don't like, uh, I feel like he's looking down at them, but I also feel like that's a nice gesture as well. Fair so enough. I don't know yeah. where I stand on that. Yeah. The vase was reconstructed in 1845 after the vandalism, but the work was only partly successful. The British Museum bought the vase outright in 1945. Another attempt was made in 1948 and a final restoration using modern techniques in 1988. The vase, back on display, now shows little sign of the original damage. Wow. That's pretty impressive that they have the technology to put that all back together and make it essentially not noticeable that it I ever mean, was broken. We've all done this, right? A little Elmer's glue and you're good. Of course. Elmer's <laughs> never leaves a trace. <laughs> yeah. 1988, they updated that Elmer's glue recipe and now we're good. <laughs> maybe a glue stick. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> That'll do it for this edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. You can always reach us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. If we made any mistakes, you want to correct us or just say, hey, you're doing a great job, you know, feel free to reach out. I have I'm no Reggie. doubt I made some mistakes, Reggie. Let's just put that out there. So feel free. Any mistakes, let me know about it. I'm pretty sure my parents said they made a mistake in 1979 <laughs> when I was born. <laughs> what a way to end. <laughs> I'm Reggie Rizzo. He's Marcus Path. We'll be back with another edition tomorrow. Tomorrow.